The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is the division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. As Florida continues to clean up from Hurricane Ian, we want to know how the storm will impact the home buying process. Will this mean changes in the housing market in Florida and the surrounding region? And could this mean changes that are meant to protect customers nationwide, but could also make buying a home more expensive? Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. Today, I'm joined by Elizabeth Smith. She's vice president of mortgage origination for Cross Country and a loan originator in Florida. Elizabeth, thanks for joining me. And I guess we should just start with your thoughts. How much is Ian, or I should say, how much has it already and will it continue to disrupt the housing market uh, in that part of the country? So, yes. So I honestly, I think the impact of the hurricane on the real estate market is going to be very localized to the areas that were directly impacted. I mean, clearly we have areas that they literally do not have any houses left to sell. Thankfully, those areas are minor. Um, They're smaller in nature. And of course, the media is going to bring attention to those. Um, But those of us, you know, my phone is still ringing. I'm still getting requests for pre-approvals for families outside of the area. Um, You know, I, I also think that the hurricane arriving during the time where the Fed is in the middle of their master plan to curb inflation, I almost think it couldn't have been at more of a perfect time because the market has slowed down significantly. However, as soon as that that temperature drops up north, you know what happens. You know, people start thinking they don't want to be shoveling anymore. They're going to want to come to Florida. So, you know, time will tell. um, And I think it will be hard to isolate, you know, kind of what came first, the chicken or the egg you know, is the Fed's inflation curbing plan, is that really what's what's changing things or the hurricane? So I would say, you know, over time, as we look back, you know, the statisticians will look at it daily. Um, but if you look back month over month, I think you're going to see, um, you'll see different results based on zip codes um, and where the hurricane Im- did impact and where it did not. Personally here in Sarah Personally here in Sarasota, I don't know if you're aware, but there is an old Indian myth and, that and we are protected. Uh, sorry, um so I don't know if you've seen that yet, but I can I can share that with you. Um but we have not had a direct hit. So uh you know, I don't know if that's going to increase the demand for real estate in Sarasota or not. Because like I said, people are going to still retire. The temperature is still going to drop and snow is still going to fall in the majority of the country in the next coming months. Um, I think it was in the thirties up in new England already. So, you know, like I said, 
<laughs> it's it's warm it's warm it's warm today as we're recording this it's one of those mild october days where we're about to get rain because okay. I mean, yeah exactly for listeners you're and from so boston you know. we're gonna get a cold front it's gonna be trip, more maybe, seasonable we're gonna get some rain so the temperatures are gonna come Florida down really, really for your soon. island trip so <laughs> right right so I think I think your sort of forecast for the market is is really interesting because I was talking with someone else last week who was really worried about, you know, this is, you know, builders are obviously not ready for increased demand because they're having a hard time finding workers. There's still supply chain issues. Obviously, we know about the the lack of inventory and so this person I was talking to is really worried about what's going to happen to the market. It sounds like you think it could have been that way if this maybe was more of a direct hit on, say, Tampa, but because of the areas that were hit, not to not to act like this was was a fortunate thing, I th- yeah, but the, I think, the impacts I mean, in terms of housing to, demand and, and home buying and, and the housing market that were hit, uh, but is not I really as bad as it could have been. I think the impact is going to be very local to you know areas that were directly impacted. They are going to have a longer recovery time frame. But again, like I said, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, the inflation, the, you know, as rates are increasing and the Fed is in the middle of what I say, you know, enacting their prescription um, versus the hurricane. You know, it's, you cannot go to certain areas and necessarily buy a home. I mean, that those areas are beautiful, but they have been hit with these twenty year these storms. I think almost twenty years back to back. Charlie was two thousand and four, and now we have Ian, eighteen years later. So not twenty, but eighteen years later. Um, I I think as far as builders go, um, mm-hmm. you know they're under their own constraints. But I don't know if anyone has mentioned Babcock Ranch, but I recommend people look into it. It was featured on 60 Minutes on Sunday. NPR also had an article on them, and they are all over the news. Babcock Ranch was right in the eye of the storm, or at least close to it, and they did not sustain one, basically one injury. They had no damage there. So my thought is, you know, in the next couple of years, I think if builders don't start looking at what was different about Babcock Ranch? When that community was built, what was different? And why, did they, um, why didn't they sustain any damage as a result of the storm? I mean, that was a Category 4 or 5. I think it was two miles below the Category 5 rating. The winds were 158, and a Cat 5 is 160, and there was no damage to Babcock Ranch. So I think it's going to be interesting. You know, builders are going to still build here because, like I said, Florida is always going to be a hot state for retirees and and especially now with COVID where you can basically work from anywhere. I mean, the employment environment has changed significantly as a result of COVID. I mean, I think people always knew all along that as long as you have your computer and your phone, you can pretty much accomplish any job, but that has been magnified. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that people want to be in warmer States. So I think it's going to be interesting, though, to see if the builders do make any um, revisions to their their business models and materials and methods to construction. You know, we saw this happen with Andrew. You, you know, I was just down in Pine Island yesterday. Oh, my God. However, the further north you go on the island, the damage 
was not as bad as it was in the um, in the center of the island. I think it's called Matlache. I mean, Matlache was decimated. However, those were older, original Florida fishing village style homes, completely wood construction on stilts built right over the water. But as you drive through the island, you know, I, I guess I was fortunate enough to drive the entire island and you can see the houses that had minimal damage compared to the ones that did not. And the ones that had minimal damage were built to the hurricane standards that were um, the construction standards that were implemented after Hurricane Andrew. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. And and looking at, you know, so that was one of the questions is, is sort of what changes might we see in particular? How might that affect home buying and origination? Um, you know, you mentioned Andrew and Charlie. Certainly, Florida is, is no stranger to massive hurricanes. You know, we've seen the same thing, obviously, with with Katrina in New Orleans, uh, with with uh, I think it was Harvey that hit Houston, and, and even in the Northeast. Yeah. I mean, we've had Superstorm Sandy, which wiped out yes. homes all up and down the coast. So, you know, obviously people react to stuff like that and they make changes. But just in your experience with, with Florida, does that seem to be localized when people make changes? And does that impact the cost of buying a home? Does that impact origination at all? Or does that just people uh, recover and move on? I think it's people recover and move on. I think over time, honestly, I, I think that people have a short term forgetter. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's, you know, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to obviously be a bigger deal to those of us here on the ground, but those people that are removed, they're still going to want to come to Florida. I just feel confident in that. Um, I think the only thing people really hang on to as far as bad memories go is like a bad boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, <laughs> yeah. this type of stuff. I mean, think about it, you know, oh, forget about it. They'll, they all came back. I mean, Charlie was what it was. And then, you know, that was one of the number one markets in Florida over the last couple of years. So I think they'll maybe make some changes to the type of house they built. Maybe they'll elevate them a little bit more. Um, maybe they won't build them on the ground, so to speak. Maybe the foundation will be elevated above floodplain. But, you know, when you're on the coast with storm surge, uh, you know, you do see some homes that are, they are raised about 10 feet and then it's empty space underneath that they use to store boats and toys and things like that. Um, but I think it's just going to be interesting to see what, what does happen. I think Charlie was one thing, but now for this to happen again, 18 years later in the same, pretty much the same spot, you know, I like to think that, you know, I have my ideas being a professional and being living here for about 18 years now. Um, but I, it'll be interesting to see how it does, how things do change in the industry, but people are still going to want to come here. They're still going to want to get mortgages. Um, I'm not worried. I feel pretty blessed that I'm in Florida, um, of all state of all States compared to, you know, what's going on nationwide as far as originations go. Yeah. And we see this all over the country. You know, I know, 
uh, I think Redfin and Zillow have both put out info about people moving to areas despite natural disaster and, and weather risks. I mean, people keep moving to California despite the concerns of fire and, and earthquakes. And earthquakes. Uh, up and down the East Coast, you know, you have to worry about hurricanes, uh, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina as well. Yeah, people keep moving there. And, and, you know, we're seeing the impacts of what happens when people, for example, don't have flood insurance uh, in, you know, in Florida, for example, flood insurance, I believe, is going down. Do you expect changes in the insurance requirements that people will have to have when they get a mortgage, whether it's getting some of this disaster insurance? Or do you think insurance values will go up, which will sort of compound on affordability issues? Or, or do you not see changes there as well? That's a really good conversation. Um, a lot of, you know, when you get a mortgage, you're required to have flood insurance and homeowners insurance. And you can waive, I mean, obviously, let me back up. You can have flood, in, you have to have flood insurance if your home is in a flood zone. Right. Um, I think you'll see the costs go up a little bit. I mean, insurance in Florida is already um, having its own constraints. And I think this is just going to add to it. They're saying this is the most destructive storm in the history of Florida. So, you know, I think I think it's going to be new territory for all of us. I know my insurance partners are just kind of, you know, waiting to see what happens also because they know something is going to happen. Uh, there are areas that were low-lying um, that flooded where people really didn't think they would flood. You know, you don't really believe it until it happens to you or you think you're, oh, it's not going to happen to me. And then it does happen. So, you know, one of those areas is a high probably more of a, a rental community. And then that's, you have the issue of renter's insurance. I mean, does renter's insurance even cover, cover flood, have a flood component to it? I don't think it does. Um, I do know that one of the challenges with insurance was that I did hear people talking about all the institutional investors that have purchased homes in our area to be rented out. And I do know that a lot of those tenants have not heard from anybody or had not heard from anybody. So I think the other layer to this is all the institutional investors that are here in the market. You know, they need to be as committed as if they were just individuals owning these homes and their individual homes were flooded or impacted by by these catastrophic storms. So and, do you, you think know, that I, there could be some some regulatory changes there in terms of private investors, institutional investors, sort of whether it's having to put up some kind of escrow for something like this or uh, insurance requirements, contact requirements, just having them be more accountable and answerable to renters? I think accountability is huge. Huge. I don't know how it would look, but I think there that it has to be, if they're going to be a significant home buyer in certain communities, there has to be accountability and, you know, timeframes. They have to be reachable. If they know there's a storm that's coming, they need to have a few people available for, to, to be reachable for um, people to contact because you need support. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see again, um, you know, Florida is not the only part of the country that deals with natural disasters of some kind, how much other states will look at Florida's experience with Ian in this market and, and how they respond and maybe make changes as well, whether it's insurance exactly. requirements, uh, 
accountability by institutional investors. Um, Liz, is there anything else that you wanted to add? I don't think so. Um, Florida's open. I think, you know, we are still a great place to own property. I'm excited to be here. I feel really terrible for what happened down south. I'm glad I had the opportunity to go yesterday and bring some tarps and help out in um, the World Central Kitchen down there on Pine Island or one of them. I think they have two. I mean, it's it's pretty the places that have been hit have been hit pretty badly. So my plug is, you know, if you see people reaching out for help, anybody who can lend a hand or make a donation, um, it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing we've seen with this country is anytime there's a disaster, we see a lot of willingness to, to help out. Yeah. Liz, yeah. thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. We'll have the rest of your headlines right after this word. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here's the rest of your headlines for today, October 14th. J.B. Morgan Chase beat its earnings projections, but still saw its net income fall in the third quarter. CEO Jamie Dimon didn't repeat his warning of a recession, but he did talk about the significant headwinds that the largest U.S. bank faces in the next quarter. Wells Fargo didn't fare much better. The third quarter, the nation's third largest bank was impacted by a $2 billion operating loss related to legal matters and to a downturn in the housing market. Elsewhere, Redfin reports that price drops have reached a new high as home sales and listings start to decline. And finally, Equifax, one of the nation's largest credit bureaus, joined the growing ranks of agencies that are expanding the acceptance of formerly non-traditional bill payments to help build and improve credit scores for potential home buyers. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygates. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.